Welcome to the workshop, Woman's Focus. My name is Shirley. I'm from Shadow Hills, California. I'm a compulsive overeater and a grazer and the moderator for this session. Uh, before we begin, please turn off your cell phones and pagers. This workshop is being taped. All, all opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading. There will be an ask it basket, questions and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speaker. Please specify who your question is for. Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, the reading is from Voices of Recovery from February 11th. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. George Santanius is quoted in For Today, page 331. I was an unhappy, compulsive overeater my entire life, always going on diets and getting heavier afterwards. Tomorrow, I would say, I will lose weight. But tomorrow, I forgot yesterday's misery. My father and brother both died at the age of 57 of heart attacks, and I was convinced I would die at the age of 57 also. At age 48, I had a heart attack and bypass surgery to move blood past the arteries that my compulsive eating had blocked. I lost weight but soon forgot the pain. I gained even more weight a year after the surgery. I thought my life was hopeless. A friend dragged me to an OA meeting. I started on the path that changed my life. OA taught me how to change, quote, tomorrow, unquote, one day at a time, to change my old habits and to remember the past. I gave up over 90 pounds, and the miracle is that I've kept it off for over two years. I just celebrated my 58th birthday. Today, I don't forget the past. I now focus on being abstinent and alive. Okay, I'm supposed to share on this. Well, I uh, I was 53 when I came into uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't have that amount of weight to lose yet, uh, but I was what I would call a, a professional dieter. I was always a very good dieter. I would join uh, any of the professional diet clubs. I would reach goal. And uh, whoopee, I'd be out celebrating. And then I would gain that. And, you know, we all have that same story. Go back, gain the weight all back, be too embarrassed to go back to that diet club, and then go to a different one and say, this time it's going to be different. Uh, well, unfortunately, my experience was it wasn't any different. Um, I had no idea. Uh, that I was a compulsive overeater. I just knew that my mother, my mother was fat. Uh, she weighed over 200 pounds. Uh, in those days, the scale only went to 200 pounds, and I would it would go past the 200, and she would get so enraged. So that for me was my what I called my suicide weight. If I ever got that weight, I knew I was going to kill myself. That was all there was to it. Uh, I was busting out of a size 18 when I got into these rooms. I uh, was suicidal. You know, I'm also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I didn't know that, uh, for me, food and alcohol went together. The more I drank, the more I ate. So part of my abstinence, thank God for people that go before me. Uh, there was this gentleman, he said, 
that part of his abstinence was no alcohol. And uh, I liked that because the more I drank, like I said, the more I ate, I didn't give a damn how much I weighed, and then the next day I'd want to kill myself with a hangover, you know. And uh, so that program led me to another program, to that other program. But um, at the time I had gone to, I, I came into a meeting, uh, a girlfriend and I, we decided we were either going to go to OA or, uh, gosh, I think it was Nutrisystem or something. We flipped a coin. I mean, that's how sincere we were about it. And... Uh, <laughs> We went to uh, a meeting in Glendale at Adventist Hospital, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure that this is what was said, but this was what I heard. The, the room was kind of split in two. There was a whole bunch of skinny people on this side of the room and heavy people on this side of the room. These people were talking about throwing up, and these people were talking about recipes. And I said, man, you guys are nuts. I'm out of here. So then we went and joined another, you know, club. So it took me seven more years of being out there. Losing and gaining, losing and gaining, and swearing I would never gain the weight back again, and always did. And I was on disability, and, uh, you know, we all get here when we get here. I, I found a meeting in Studio City, and, uh, you know, I said that I'm going to have to find a meeting that's non-smoking and early in the morning, or I'm not going. So self-righteous, you know. Damned if there wasn't a 7.30 a.m. non-smoking meeting in Studio City. So, uh, and it was in a church, which, you know, almost kept me from going. But uh, I was in enough pain that I went. And I had about four layers of clothes on. And if you've not been in this church, it's a Unitarian church. And you walk up probably the longest stair steps I've ever walked up. <laughs> and I think there's probably only 25 stairs. But, boy, it was long that day. And I'm very grateful that it had couches and stuff. It was a very intimate type of setting because a room this size would have totally intimidated me and I probably would have just split. But I sat on the couch with my arms folded, which was my body language all the time, and um, I heard you people talk about food the way I talk about food. Uh, talked about the art of unscrewing an Oreo and licking the frosting. And oh my God, you know, that was such, I took such great pride on how I ate an Oreo. And uh, <laughs> the same way with corn candy, you know, I would bite both, I mean, it was just, you know, I, oh, it's just disgusting. But it was what I did. And uh, I thought, God, you know, I didn't hear a lot, but what I heard was keep coming back. And uh, so the next day I woke up before the alarm. I mean, I, I wanted to come. And uh, I wasn't sure why. But I did keep coming back. And uh, listening that, the answer is working the steps and the traditions, getting a sponsor and taking direction and finding out that I had a disease. Uh, I was very uncomfortable saying I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't like how that sounded because it was a real moral issue for me. It meant that I had no, you know, no, no self-control whatsoever. And I'm very grateful that Roseanne, in her book, Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, gave, a, gave an absolute definition of what a compulsive overeater is. A compulsive overeater is someone who eats without really realizing they're eating, who sneaks food, who eats large quantity of food. And uh, once I read that, I could no longer deny that I was a compulsive overeater. Uh, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they ask you to remember your last drunk. And uh, in Overeaters Anonymous, uh, 
I substituted. When was my last binge? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a grazer. I, uh, I would binge, you know, if I, if I was drinking, I would have a tendency to binge. Uh, I had my hangover days, which was Mexican food, and, you know, the solution to my problem uh, before program was about a pitcher of margaritas and ten bowls of chips, and, uh, you know, you couldn't hurt me. You could say anything, and I would tough, but otherwise I would just cry. My feelings got hurt so bad. And I had to really think about that. What was my what was my bottom in Overeaters Anonymous? And I remember someone had gotten me a box of C's candy. Uh, and I remember being in the bedroom, picking out all my favorites, eating the whole box, you understand, but picking out my all, all my favorites. And uh, I remember crying, and I remember my heart was beating really, really fast, and then somebody said, oh, that was a sugar rush. I didn't, you know, all these things that I didn't understand, you know, and uh, so getting to learn, I mean, my gosh, if school is like this, you know, what, uh, somebody said the big book and the 12 and 12 is like a Thomas Guide to Life, and I like that. I like that a lot, because, uh, you know, I had absolutely no no way to live my life because there was so much shame. There's a lady at my meeting. She says, uh, part of her prayer is, dear God, just for today, let me eat with dignity. And, uh, you know, my husband and I, we talk about when we go to a restaurant, we sit and we wait, and maybe you have to wait for 10, 15 minutes before you get a seat with reservations. You sit down, you wait another half hour before you get your food, and we're done eating in five minutes. You know, that's it. And... Uh, so learning to uh, to slow down. I don't know how to slow down. I've got two speeds. I'm either in a coma or I'm the Tasmanian devil. You know, I mean, there is just no balance. And, uh, you know, and then I get to find out that uh, balance is very important. Um, when I was reading this here, it talked about the uh, her dad and her uh, brother that died at the age of 56 or 58. And... Uh, you know, I have a brother that died from our disease along with alcoholism. And, uh, you know, he was in total denial about having this disease. Uh, you know, being in denial, you don't, denial is, you don't have to do anything about it if you're in denial. And uh, for me, just coming out of denial, you know, was so major. And I remember I went to, when I did my eighth step, I went to Montana and I made an amends to him because when we were kids, there were things that I had done that I was very sorry for. And uh, as a kid, we were not able to express our anger. Our folks were the only ones that could get mad. And uh, so, you know, it, uh, I got very angry with him and I got very physical with him. And I had felt bad about that my whole life. And I would think about it and I would just start to cry. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for the big book telling us that we can go and seek outside help. Because with that outside help, you know, I found out that, that you have to have a release for your anger. And uh, I was very, very scared of my anger because my dad was a rageaholic. I was raised in a generation with a belt. Uh, it wasn't pretty. And I was afraid that if I got that angry that I would just go ballistic. And... Uh, you know, so when I went, it was very important uh, that I fly to Montana and make an amends to him. And uh, when I did, it was very emotional. And uh, 
I said, uh, you know, if there's anything else I've done, please let me know. And I was thinking he was going to say, oh, no, you know, everything is okay. Well, man, that's not what he said. He had a list of, you did this, you did that, you did that, and you did that, you know. And there was a lot of stuff that I had done that I had absolutely no idea. And the gift of this program is that I got to make an amends to him. And, you know, he could not get this program uh how you can be in, be in denial when you weigh close to 300 pounds that you're a compulsive overeater, uh, you know. But uh, he didn't think he had a problem. He just liked to eat too much once in a while. And, you know, he died from this disease and his disease of alcoholism. He tried Alcoholics Anonymous for 20 years. And, you know, he just couldn't get it. He just did not believe that he was powerless. And... Uh, the, birth, uh, the death certificate said he had a heart attack, you know, and uh, my daughter's uh, father, who I chose to leave, he was a practicing alcoholic, and I left him after 17 years, uh, he died in denial from his disease, and uh, how lucky we are that we're sitting in these chairs, what a gift. You know, I just can't imagine what my life would be like. I had the privilege of, uh, I just got back last night. I went to the um, uh, AA convention in Toronto, 70 years. And uh, coming back, one of the things that I wanted to do is stop in uh, Akron, Ohio, and see Dr. Bob's house where this whole thing got started. And it was so emotional for me. I'm telling you, being in the bedroom with his medical bag on the bed, you know, knowing the struggles that they had, not having any idea how Overeaters Anonymous would sprout out of that, Al-Anon, and all of these different programs. My God, what a miracle that these guys did. And, uh, you know, I had no idea that I was put on this earth to serve a higher power. I, I just couldn't figure out what the hell I was doing here. It seemed like everything I did was wrong. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask to be born. You know, it's that entitlement attitude that brings me a lot of shame today. You know, it's an arrogance that I didn't know I had. And by working the steps, you know, we get to find out these things. I, um, I have a grandson uh, that's six years old that uh, I would like to end with when we, uh, just the honesty of children. And, uh, you know, I just celebrated 13 years of abstinence and sobriety, for which I'm so grateful for. And uh, so I'm a teenager now. You know, somebody told me that you're as old emotionally as you have been in recovery. So that makes me a teenager. So uh, this is going to be a hell of a year, I'm sure. But uh, we had taken my grandson to the Getty Museum. And in the uh, they have a, an exhibit there. It's black and white pictures. And in that exhibit, there was they had... Uh, pictures of nudes, but, you know, very well done, the black and white pictures, and this lady was with her back to you, and you, know, you just saw her silhouette and her torso and everything, and uh, Tyler was looking at that, and he just kept looking at that, and I said, does that remind you of anybody? I don't know. I said, do you think that looks like Grandma? And he said, no, Grandma, your butt's bigger. <laughs> So, you know, I let the door wide open on that one. So. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, uh, 
the, the ask and basket. Do you want to start the ask and basket and pass it around if anybody has any questions or there's, it's small enough in here that anybody can raise their hand? Um, I think I'm just about done. Uh, am I just about done? I've got like three minutes. Well, does anybody have any questions or uh, would like to raise their hand? Uh, what they ask here that uh, there's going to be ten minutes of questions from the Ask It basket. Uh, if there aren't questions in the basket, uh, oh, I guess they put questions in the basket already, did they? Ooh, you want to hand me what's in there? And while the rest of it's going around, we'll see what anybody has to ask. Thank you. Would you describe your daily routine? Sure. Um, I get up in the morning, hit my knees before I go to the bathroom. I roll out of bed directly onto my knees. I thank God for another day. I take the first three steps. Uh, when I say the seventh-step prayer, um, I because I'm a very visual person, for me, I outstretch my hands and I visualize the, the uh, light of the Spirit in the palm of my hands. And uh, my Creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me. And when I say that, I list my character defects that are blaring at me. And right now, the character defect that I'm struggling with is uh, with my daughter. I, I'm struggling with the difference between what is being supportive and what's enabling. And I really struggle with that because she's going through a divorce. She's having a tremendous amount of financial problems. And if she can't pay her rent, she calls me. And she's working a full-time job. And uh, she needs my help. And uh, I want to be able to help her without resenting it. And, you know, when is enough enough? You know, I don't know. So, and my self-centeredness, which, you know, I had no idea I was self-centered until you guys told me I was. And uh, then when I finish, I just kind of take the sunlight together and I put it on next to my heart and I say, okay, God, let's get it on. And then just ask that I be willing to do uh, his will instead of my own. How has the program impacted your life outside of program? Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. If I, if I didn't have the, the programs, I, there's no doubt in my mind, I would weigh 300 pounds and I would be a fat, angry, alcoholic bitch. And uh, that's not my story. I'm very grateful that I have recovery. My daughter is clean and sober. She's coming up on uh, 16 years. And, uh, you know, when she wants to take my inventory or get resentful, um, you know, I just say, you know, why don't you call your sponsor? Very hard for her. She has more time in program than I do. It was very hard for her when I got sober and I got abstinent because I called her on her crap. I mean, she couldn't. She couldn't get by with the stuff she got by with all those years. Her manipulation and stuff just didn't work anymore. So she's getting used to it, <laughs> you know. Um, <clears throat> what step gave or gives you the most relief and why? Probably the tenth step. Um, you know, I do take a tenth step, and uh, the fact that I learn to write a gratitude list. I wasn't grateful for anything when I came in here. 
I took absolutely everything for granted. I thought I was entitled to everything. I was very angry that I wasn't five feet tall and had brown eyes. You know, that's what I wanted. Uh, you know, that I had, uh, I had this plan that I thought my life was going to be, and it wasn't. I mean, I was going to be, I, I pretty much, uh, if you look at uh, Father Knows Best or something like that, any of the television programs that are illusions is what I thought my life was going to be. I love living in fantasy, don't like reality, and, uh, you know, I have, to, uh, I have to accept reality. One of the things that I struggle with a lot is reality, is acceptance. Uh, my license plate on my car, as some of you know, is 449 HP because I struggle with acceptance every day. And it reminds me every time I get into my car that I have to accept life on life's terms. It's funny when I go and get gas, somebody asks me what HP, and it's another way to carry the message too, but somebody says, what does HP mean? And uh, my husband said it means high priestess, and I said, no, it means hungry person. <laughs> so it can be whatever you want it to be, I guess. <laughs> but uh, are there any more questions? Is there anything else in the box? <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, what do you do when you become complacent? How do you get back to remembering who you are? Oh, God, what a good question. I just pray. I pray and I talk to my sponsor. I have a head that tells me every day of my life that I don't work a good enough program. I'm not enough. Um, and I have to know that my head lies to me. It just constantly lies to me. And praying, and there are times that I, that I feel very disconnected to God. I got really charged up going to Dr. Bob's house. I felt very close to God. It was very obvious to me that God was in that house. Uh, because of the miracles that happen there. So just pray and know that uh, that it's going to pass. Somebody said, you know, feelings are like gas. They pass. So uh, they do. Uh, what made you decide you're an alcoholic? Boy, is that ever a good question. Uh, I didn't decide. It was decided for me. Uh just to, to give you a little bit, uh, you know, my story in Alcoholics Anonymous is I was in this program for six months, and there was a young lady there who got clean and sober, and she gained 60 pounds, and she came to OA. And uh, she asked me, uh, we had gone to the car, I'd gone to the trunk of my car to get something for somebody in program, and when I opened the trunk of my car, there was a fifth of Chevis and a fifth of Tangeray in a box and glasses and all that stuff, and she said, why do you have alcohol in your car? I said, what's the big deal? Everybody I knew had alcohol in their car. She said, you might want to check out another program. Now, I had been in Al-Anon since 1974 because I was married to an alcoholic and my daughter was an addict and a drug, drug addict and an alcoholic. But uh, I had enough recovery in Overeaters Anonymous and Al-Anon that I was willing to check out that program. And I went there a year and a half and uh, never took any chips, never took a cake because I didn't, I just was, oh God, I didn't want to be an alcoholic too. 
you know. But I knew that when I drank, I ate more. And uh, so I was crying at this meeting. One of the speakers was talking about, my God, he had hit somebody. He had lost his job. I mean, he just had this god-awful nightmare story. And I just started crying. And there was a man there. His name was Jeff O. And he came up to me afterwards. And and uh, he said, uh, you want to talk about something? And I said, Jeff, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic or not. And... Uh, he said, I'm going to tell you something, honey. He said, I want you to look at that third tradition. He said, the only requirement for you to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous is to have a desire to stop drinking. He said, how long has it been since you've had a drink? And it had been about a year and a half. And uh, he said, you've got to stop comparing the differences and compare the similarities. And he said, don't you let anybody tell you if you're an alcoholic. He said, only you know if you're an alcoholic. And he said, if and when you decide you're an alcoholic, I'll love you anyway. And man, the dam broke. And I started working the steps in that program, fought it every step of the way. Said, I worked steps in Al-Anon and OA. I don't need to work them in AA. And then my sponsor said, uh, okay, then uh, I want you to write a sex inventory. <laughs> Please. I would have never had sex if it wouldn't have been for alcohol. There's no way. <laughs> Get away from me with that thing, man. It would have never happened. So, you know, I, I when you're teachable, you know, and it's one day at a time. And um, so does that answer your question? Okay. My daughter, my family doesn't think I'm an alcoholic, and they don't think I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, they're still eating and drinking, so and they don't have to. That's just fine. Uh, but I know in my heart of hearts that my life is better since I stopped drinking. What is your food plan? How did it take you to create it? And how do you create it? Uh, well, I would love to tell you that I have a food plan, but I don't. Uh, I'm one of those people that eat all foods moderately if I stay away from my alcoholic foods. And I have a head that tells me that uh, I'm uh, not working this program right because I don't have a food plan. But uh, a food plan for me feels like a diet. I, I just can't do it because I won't stay on it. That's just my truth. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I have shame telling you this, but I just, that's my truth. I don't have a food plan. Okay, is that it? All right, thank you. Okay, uh, now it's time for open sharing. We all have three-minute shares. If you've shared at another workshop, which I doubt if this is the first workshop, uh, give others a chance. Limit your share to three minutes. Uh, stay on the topic. Sign the tape release after you share. There's a tape release up here if you would sign it. So if anybody wants to share, why don't you come on up and uh, stand in line because this is being taped so there won't be downtime on tapes. You want to come up and share something, young lady? Yeah, you. Yeah. We'll get it on up here. What's the topic? <laughs> the topic. The topic is Voices of Recovery on the 11th. That's okay, it. 11th. Okay, good. Thank you. My name is Eileen Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much, Shirley. It was great to hear you and really good to see you. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say. Let's see. La, 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 la. Well, yeah, well, certainly I relate to the concept of, okay, like I'm going to eat today and then tomorrow I'll deal with this. And that was always how it was for me. And I love 
in our literature, and I was just reading the big book and doing some work with my sponsor a little earlier, you know, that, that part in the big book that talks about, suddenly I had this thought, maybe I'll just go eat this, and how, you know, this is a disease of amnesia. I forget. I forget food stuff. I forget behavior things that don't work for me. I forget all kinds of stuff. So that's why I have to be here all the time. That's why I'm here this weekend. That's why I have to go to lots of meetings. That's why I have to talk to people in program because I forget. And I hate that I forget. I mean, it's, it's, and I feel ashamed that I forget. And if I talk to somebody who's not in program, they may not understand that. It's like, well, wait a second. You, this is, didn't you talk about that the other day? Yeah, but I forgot. And um, that was how, that's how I lived with myself when I was compulsively overeating because each time I wanted to eat something, you know, I had to forget what it was like last time because otherwise, how could I, how could I put myself through what I put myself through constantly, that crappy feeling of what it felt like to eat food that just didn't work for me. And for today, you know, I, my tolerance for what it feels like to eat food that doesn't work for me is so much smaller. I can't tolerate it. I, you know, if I eat a little something that doesn't work for me, even if it's a little bit too much in a meal, I hate the way I feel. And when I think about what I used to eat and the kinds of th- the quantities of food that I used to used to eat, and you know, I would basically fall asleep. What I've come to learn is that was me passing out. You know, I would fall asleep from the sugar and fall asleep from the fat and just whatever the quantity was that I ate, I would just basically fall asleep. And um, for today, I don't have to do that. And I'm so grateful to be here, grateful to hear you, to have a program, to have people who teach me, to hear people ahead of me who did it, who showed me how to do it, because I never learned how to do life. And what I've learned here is that it's an issue of how to do life. I, I came in here thinking I could really do life, and I didn't realize how afraid I was to be out there, and this is where I learned. I grew up, and I'm like four, so, you know, I've grown up to four. I'm four today, four years and three, four months, and I'm really grateful because if I didn't have people in Overeaters Anonymous to teach me how to live, I'd still be out there trying to think I had to do it alone, and this is where I learned I don't have to do it alone, so thanks for letting me share. else come up and share? Come on, don't be bashful, you guys. Come on up. God bless you. I'm Alice, and by the grace of God and the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, I've been asking for 17 years and something or other. Oh, yeah, that short-term memory loss. Yeah. It does even happen when you're 10. OA taught me how to change tomorrow one day at a time, to change my old habits, to remember the past in the voices of recovery. What I've learned is that tomorrow is another day. And today is all I can deal with. Um, in the beginning, it was sometimes 10 minutes at a time, and 
sometimes it was one meal at a time, and then it was a day at a time. And for today, you know, I'm recovered, compulsive overeater, just like the big book says, I can paraphrase it. Um, more than, who many know, how many thousands of people have recovered from a seemingly hopeless disease? And I can say that for today, I am recovered. And that's all I got is today, you know. And when I work the program diligently, that means don't lie to myself. Let's get honest, you know. Is that food necessary? Is that something you really want? And I've had a plan of eating before, and I'm pretty much following it now. Um, most of the time, it's been, you know, three moderate meals a day. I've had some health issues where I've had these like six times a day, or when I go backpacking, it's five times a day. Mm. Um, the thing is, I have to do the stuff. There's eight tools, and I need to work them. I need to be honest. Um, I do. <laughs> now I'm reading from four different inspirational books every day in the morning. Plus, I do four prayers, <laughs> and uh, I ask God for knowledge of his will for me and a power to carry it out. I ask God to help me to be kind, patient, and accepting of others and myself. I ask God to help me to be a pleasant person to be around, because that's not my history. And, and I modify the serenity prayer. God Grant me the serenity to accept that of my body that I cannot change, the courage to change that of my body that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And each one of these came at different times, and each time it's been a 180. You know, another layer of the onion peel. You know, people that I couldn't stand, I totally abhorred. Um, I love them. At work, I work in a AAA setting. And really, you know, a triple-A type of people work there. And they'll come up and really want to ring me out for something or other. And now, when they come up to me, I say, oh, and I'm sincere. To, Thank you. I didn't know that. Thank you so much for letting me know. And I mean it. And... It's been really amazing. And then the thing with the modification of the serenity prayer, um, my food's better. And that's really important, you know. I can't find God in a donut box, you know. And I also can't find him, for me, in a head of iceberg lettuce. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me share. My name is Kath Ellen. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. Um, I'm a fat person, and I've been a fat person my whole life. Now I've been abstinent thanks to OA for one year. And my first year. My abstinence is three meals a day, three huge and gorgeous and abundant meals a day. No snacks, no sugar, no flour, no starch. I started last June because I knew I'd have time in June, and I planned to devote a lot of time to changing my life. 
and did take a lot of time because up till that time I hadn't actually shopped for groceries and hadn't actually cooked for quite a few years. I'd done all other things that you can imagine on your own, but hadn't actually cooked. So I took June to really revise my life, and it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time to plan, to shop, to call my sponsor, to do the reading, to answer the questions, and do all these different things. The reason I started was because uh, I'd been getting heavier by every decade of my life. You know, I was heavier in seventh grade, and then in my 20s I was even heavier, and 30s even heavier, until... I was 207 pounds and very disgusted and ashamed of myself and humiliated for the whole school year before that June came when I started a year ago. I was trying to stop, trying to stop um, gorging and overeating. My mom and my sisters are not fat people. They've never been fat people. They totally don't understand me. Only the people in these rooms understand me. And so I've never been able to say I'm a compulsive overeater to my family. Coming to these rooms was the first time I could say it because I wasn't afraid of you guys. I wasn't afraid of other people who would identify with me. To say it to my family, they'd yell, oh, pshaw, no, you're not. And they'd just keep feeding me. And they still try and feed me. But they respect it. And they're quite impressed. My dad died overweight. His brothers and sisters died overweight. His mother died overweight. And when my overweight friend, who's 83, um, no longer could get up from her chair and had to buy one of those chairs that lifts you up, that you press this little lever and it lifts you up to your, like, falling out of it, I thought, I don't want that to happen to me. My knees already hurt, and now my knees hurt a lot less. And now I can run and ride my bicycle again, and it's really great. Friends tell me I act 10 years younger. A scientist in San Francisco has just done a study, and her study so far is on worms. <laughs> But she found out how to have longevity for worms, the fountain of youth for worms. And she found out um, worms, she, can, she has invented kind of thing. She's made these worms live six times longer than usual, which in a human would be live to 400. And the funny thing is they don't age. And the day she found out how, she stopped eating sugar. Because she said that's what did it for the worms, the equivalent of what functions as sugar for these worms. So um, anyhow, I'm grateful for this. And what happened was just before when I was trying to stop and trying to stop and trying to stop, and I can't stop because I'm a sugar addict and an overheat eater. So somebody had to give me the rule that just said no more sugar. And I figure I've eaten all the seeds I'm ever going to eat. I've eaten my whole lifetime allowance in those boxes I, you know, what did downed one at a time. <clears throat> and so what did it for me was a funeral. There was a funeral that I went to where I lived, and it wasn't anybody that I know. I read the obituary in the paper. She sounded like an important person. So I wanted to go to her funeral if she could be good. <laughs> it was a really good funeral, and uh, afterwards the treats were really delicious. And so there were exotic, world-famous treats from these Epicurean specialists. And so I, I ate two plates from the hot, cold food table. And I didn't know anybody there, of course, so that was okay. But then I went to the dessert table, and I took five things, and I ate them speaking pe uh, politely to one person after the other. And then I took another plate of five things from the dessert table, and I went out into the garden room, and I finally ate on the steps out front where nobody could see me. And I went home totally humiliated. I was so humiliated at what I had just done. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do that with anybody I know, and yet... I'd gone to cafeterias where people would say, gee, you think you have enough dessert? And I, I, you know, I was humiliated but couldn't stop it. 
So thanks to this program, I realized that the shame and humiliation really did bottom me out. And I had a health crisis that made me swear if I ever got better, I'd go to OA. First meeting freaked me out. I went home and ate all the ice cream in the fridge. And second meeting, I said, give me a sponsor right now. And so I've been abstinent since my second meeting. And I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful for my sponsor. I still have my same sponsor every single day, plus another sponsor for some advanced stuff. And um, I've had a sponsee, and I'm really grateful for this uh, communication that we have because I couldn't do it alone. And I put my hand in yours every morning. It's my favorite prayer. When I can't seem to get through hungry, angry, lonely, tired, whatever it is, I just think, you know, I have a lot of hands to hold. I carry a phone list in my wallet. I have a little tiny wallet, and the phone list is really long. But it's the size of a credit card. It just has first names, front and back. And it really makes me grateful for this program. Thank you for letting me share. Christian compulsive overeater. And this is my second convention. My first convention was in 1976. I have a really hard time with being an overeater, a compulsive overeater. I noticed that I came here and because and I'm, I'm, it's weird because I, I've kept it so secret and, and I've been able to manage and control it. I, I'm in other programs. I came in to OA and AA almost simultaneously 30, 29 years ago and, and, and I worked the steps in AA and, and I didn't really have a really official food plan in OA. I had um, diet stores, you know, where they had ice cream but fake, uh, cookies but fake, you know, and all these weird things. It took me a long time to get some kind of, some kind of decent food thing going and I lost the obsession and I it was about six years, and I was doing commitments in OA, but I wasn't taking chips or anything, and I was mostly working in AA, and 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 I, um, and I left OA, and I, kind of, people laughed at me in AA because they thought this program was like, why are you going? To, and then they'd monitor my food, you know, if they'd have a party there or something, and 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 they could eat it, but I could, you know, and it was weird for me, and and I resisted it and resisted it, and when I I really but, but I've always had it. I've always known it. I've always had it. It's always a thing I have with me. It's a thing that I do, and it's really creepy. I mean, I, I'm here in this convention with all you guys, and it's like I feel really exposed. You know, I, I mean, it, even I really do. I like this, like my secret. You know, everybody knows I got the badge. You know, and all you guys. I was like, oh man, this is bad. And <laughs> I'm gonna watch what I eat. And I. I'm, I'm dying over the buffet, you know, like, oh, my God, why do I have to have a buffet? I, free food is a downfall for me. But, but the thing that got me to try to come back was the death of my closest partner. And, and, and I could get through my mother's death by not even got through, got through his. And then, and then I, I, I didn't have any, and like, I tried to come back, and, and I, I couldn't make it back for a long time. I didn't really make it back till a year ago. I go to the Orange County Fair, and the Orange County Fair would 12-step me every year. You know, I get the thing out there, and I, you know, like try it again. And but through all these years, I've been dieting um, and trying to not. And and now I have um, I have like 82 days. I 
I I had made some time, and then and then um, and then Easter came, and my job ended because the place closed, and I thought, oh, this is it, this is it, you know, it's gonna be me in the room, and oh my God, and it was Easter, and they have that candy on sale, it's like it's like free, you know, and I couldn't believe it. I was going to the store and buying. I, I mean, I'm a hoarder, you know, I hoard it, and I was buying it and bringing it back. So I worked. I anyway, anyway, I got I got here, and I have I have. Um, a food plan, which is just like the orange sheet. You know, I did the orange sheet 30, 29 years ago. And I worked the steps in OA for the first time. I worked them in Allen, I worked them in A, and I finally worked them in OA. And I have this I have this abstinence now, and I understand it now. I, I didn't ever really, you know, like get that. It was just that I didn't binge, basically. You know, that, and I've lost 20 pounds, and I couldn't, I couldn't lose it. I couldn't lose it. I had kept my weight down until five years ago, and then it was... Ten, then go up ten and go up ten. You know, I, I was getting that frightening thing where you don't know. So now I'm. Um, I've lost this twenty, but of course I want twenty more. I think I'm an anorexic streak, but um, I, I'm really glad to be. Yeah, I'm really glad to be. I mean, I need OA. I definitely need OA, but it's hard. It's so hard for me to be an OA. You know, like to have it, and I've always had it. It's like it's all my life. I remember. It's like. I guess it's because it's just so close to me. It's like having it ripped away. And then, it, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Rini, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And this is my second share of the day, and I hope it's okay, but <laughs> I have a lot of making up to do for not sharing. Um, so I thought I'd come up. Um, I really appreciated your share, um, the talk about alcohol and um, sex slash men and how all that relates. And you never would have had sex. Sometimes I think I never would have had um you know, fun with men in the last many years without alcohol. So I'm kind of abstaining from men and alcohol lately. <laughs> um, so what else? Oh, and the seed candy thing. I just, I had this epiphany when you were talking about it because I realized that if what I would do with the seed candy box is I would kind of pick the order in which I would eat them. And I never, it's like, oh, my God, I'm so crazy. And, and I mean, really, like, the whole, I would eat the whole box, too. But, boy, I would never eat the best one first. I would kind of start with the sucky ones and then move up to the better ones. And, and it's like, you know, the, the salty, salty, it was like, wow, that's really strange. So I kind of, you know, remembered that. It's been a while, but... Thanks for refreshing my memory. Anyway, and thank you for your share. I really appreciated it. You're Stan C's candy. I didn't know that you could buy all your favorites. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, my gosh. Ignorance is bliss, I guess, huh? Uh, it is now time to close this workshop. Uh, if you would, please join me. In a moment of silence for all the uh, compulsive overeaters, anorexic, and bulimics suffering in and out of these rooms, 
Uh, we will close it with this unity prayer. Everybody get in a circle? We'll make a circle. Yes. Well, we'll see. 